all the limitations we've come up against in our real estate investor journeys now, if you knew what you did and like way back when, you wouldn't like you nine times out of ten, you probably wouldn't start that journey. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey guys, it is Sarah Larby. You are listening to another episode of Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is Derek Norton. He is super inspirational. I can't wait till you guys hear his story. And by the way, he's bought his entire portfolio without using a dollar of his own money. And it was always very strategic financing, including a resort that he just purchased. So uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear about that. Uh, he's got a great story and he also went through bankruptcy at one point in his life and uh, was able to share uh, some insights and in how he's recovered from that. So uh, really awesome interview, really enjoyed talking to Derek. Um, but there is also some really awesome things happening. So at the resort, May 7th, we are doing an open house. If you are interested in coming out, hanging out, networking, having a barbecue, coming to say hi, it's in the Kawarthas, it's in Kobukonk, and it is uh, from 11 a.m. to 4 on May 7th. Check out inspirebeachresort.com. Please just register just so that we know how much food to have the chef prepare. There's going to be a DJ, some music. It is going to be a ton of fun and you guys can view the cabins. Uh, aside from that, we do have some retreats coming up. We also have some events that midterm rental properties are hosting, including a golf tournament in June and May 2-4, May 24th, not the weekend, but May 24th. I believe that's a Wednesday. We are actually doing another event at Hagerty's. Uh, and that is going to be about different sources of cash flow and income um, from businesses and how to analyze, acquire businesses, lots of different stuff. So that is going to be Wednesday, the 24th of May in the evening. Um, just send me a message if you want some more information or join the mailing list. There's definitely tons of stuff happening. Um, and uh, before we do go to Derek's podcast, I do want to hear from Dahlia Barsoom from Streetwise Mortgages on what we need to know this week for the tip of the week. Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. If you're currently feeling overwhelmed by the uncertainty in the real estate market and the sheer volume and pace of news relating to the lending, the credit, and the real estate landscape, I want you to know that you are not alone. I'm reaching out today to help you mute down the noise and also share with you a few key things that you need to be aware of heading into the next 12 months. This way you can make an informed, not an emotional decision with respect to rates. If you are planning on purchasing a property and uh, we're currently definitely seeing momentum on that front or refinancing or if you have a renewal coming up. First, let me paint a picture of the backdrop of the rate environment. Number one, the Bank of Canada signaled holding off any further increases to the overnight rate, and it did confirm its position by not raising the rates during the last Bank of Canada meeting. Inflation is easing up based on the CPI trends, although the labor market remains tight. Also, the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank and the Credit Suisse in the U.S. 
has created extra uncertainty about the stability of the financial system in the U.S. and overall global concerns relating to bank liquidity. So with this backdrop, the rate hike cycle in Canada appears to have finally ended. And I know this is comforting for many. And currently, the market is expecting that the next move by the Bank of Canada to be a rate cut, likely in Q2 of 2024 and potentially sooner. Having said that, no one really knows the exact timing, but what we know is that a rate cut is now on the horizon. Cuts typically happen gradually to bring prime rate down, and they happen over time. And what's expected is that the cuts will eventually bring prime rate down by 100 to 200 points. Um, we will unlikely see prime go back to what it used to be before the pandemic, unless something significant uh, happens and triggers that. Also, fixed rates have dropped over the past few weeks as the bond markets uh, reacted to the uncertain credit environment. Right now, there is something really funky going on with rates. If you look up the fixed rate mortgages, you'll see that the one and the two and the three and the four and the five-year fixed terms are lower than where the five-year variable rate is currently. And the longer the term goes, the lower the fixed rate is. So that's an interesting uh, observation. Also, the banking regulators in both Canada and the U.S. are proposing changes that will result in tighter lending overall. So what does all of this really mean to you? Number one, given that a cut by the Bank of Canada is now on the horizon, I invite you to consider riding the, the rate roller coaster as it goes down, as this will save you interest and will help your cash flow. So how do you do that? Here is how you do it. If you're currently on an adjustable rate mortgage, as much as it's been painful for you to stay with an adjustable rate mortgage because your payments have gone up significantly as the Bank of Canada increased the overnight rate, sticking with your adjustable rate mortgage means that your monthly payment will go down immediately as soon as the Bank of Canada starts to cut down the over nitrates. And it will continue to do so every time the Bank of Canada cuts the overnight rate. If you're currently on a variable rate mortgage where the payment is fixed, but the allocation beneath the surface changes between interest and principal payments as the rates change, you will need to check your lender's policy because there is no guarantee that your monthly payment will go down as the rates go down. So if you want your payment to go down, uh, consider switching to an adjustable rate mortgage. And definitely, in my view, I wouldn't suggest that you get into a variable rate product with a fixed payment right now because you're going to lock that payment at the height of the cycle unless the lender's policy says that they will adjust the payment as the rates go down. If you're going to make a new rate decision because of a renewal, a purchase, or an equity takeout, you may be tempted right now to take a long-term fixed rate mortgage because the rates are lower. 
and they are also cheaper in the long term. And while that may serve you well in the short run, it will hinder your ability to benefit from lower payments when the rate starts to come down. So consider a one-year fixed or a variable rate mortgage. Now, although I'm sharing with you the overall rate strategy, your final rate decision should be within the context of your financial situation and your personal plans, as well as the plans that you have for the property. This is why it is really important that you consult with a mortgage advisor to assess the suitability of the mortgage product and the term based on your individual plans and circumstances. Number two, with the tighter lending guidelines on the horizon, consider increasing liquidity and restructuring any expensive debts that you may have. You can increase liquidity by setting up a secured line of credit or increasing an existing one that you have. Also, restructuring debts now will help you enhance how your balance sheet would look like for any future financing that is needed under tighter guidelines. My team and myself are here to help you. We are here to help you make the right and most informed rate decision as you move forward. We're just an email away. Email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. We are here to support your success and help you move forward with certainty in this uncertain environment. Dahlia, thank you so much. That was great. And guys, don't forget to leave a rating and review. I haven't had one in a while. So if you wouldn't mind, that'd be awesome. I love reading them. Uh, it is uh, some of the greatest gifts I get is, is some of the feedback from you guys. So really appreciate it. Um, and on that note, let's bring in Derek Norton. Derek, welcome to the show. How are you? Beautiful, Sarah. How are you doing today? Good, good. You know, we uh, we reconnected. Well, maybe we knew each other a little bit on Instagram, but we uh, we actually ran into each other a few times at uh, Hagerty's, which is a social club that we're both part of. Uh, and I think we probably yes. both around the same time as well. Yeah, I think I think it was a couple of weeks before you. Yeah, I, I think I think we probably both got in when when the fees were good because I think they just went up recently. Yeah, I think so, but they're still good. I mean, if you think no, about they're still here. So the value's there for sure. It is Hagerty's. For those of you wondering, it's like this social club, like think yacht club, but for people that don't necessarily have yachts, um, but they have cars instead, or they have bikes, or they want to just come and hang out. And uh, there's like virtual golf, and like there's a bar, there's a restaurant, you can have events there. Um, and I like, I love it because we make, sometimes we make our office, um, <laughs> that boardroom. So we'll go there a few times a week, uh, with a team and the food is pretty good. You can order, you know, pretty much either on the menu or off the menu. And, uh, it's just a, like nice to connect with people that, you know, are also part of the club like yourself. Yeah. And like-minded people for sure. And then they've also got the video games and the, the golf simulator if you need to take a break. <laughs> yeah and there's other like services like i got my car detailed there a few weeks ago they had like some oh i didn't know that. that yeah they did a really good job so i like it it's like it's close by it's like in burlington so and uh, i i think it's i think for for a social club i think it's pretty reasonably priced <laughs> even with I increase um awesome awesome all right well you are here because we we're going to talk about real estate uh your story your journey tell us a little bit about uh you know who you are and how you got started in real estate. 
Okay, so my my entire professional career, so 21 years now, has been uh, real estate investment focused. So when I was about, I guess, 16 or 17, and, and I know you like talking about this too, I dove heavy into mindset. I uh, I kind of adopted Tony Robbins as my mentor, but it was like a lot of, I mean, a lot of book reading. I, I wasn't really speaking one-on-one um, and spent several years just really focusing on on just just learning thinking strategies and how to communicate effectively with people and and negotiating how to get what you want. I didn't, I didn't know I was going to get involved in real estate at that time. Um, I was just kind of finishing up high school. Uh, I went to college. I lasted about 30 days in business college. And then, I mean, I, I knew school wasn't for me. I knew was, I was very entrepreneurial driven. So I dropped out and then I got a job working with uh, Halton Regional Police Services. I was a civilian there for a few years. And as I was working there, um, I had I purchased uh, a property in um, Carla. It was, my, it was my first home. And it wasn't like real estate investment related. I had no real estate investing background. But um, a buddy of mine was living with me for a period of time. And he went off to work on cruise ships for a little while. And then he called me from port about, I guess, four weeks out from returning home. And he's like, I bought this book. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Real Estate Riches. He's like, you got to read it. He's like, when I come back, I was like, all I'm going to do is invest in real estate. So he was a really good friend of mine. I kind of took his work for it and I picked up the book. And uh, it literally became like my girlfriend, for lack of a better term. I just, I spent my evenings reading the book. We sat down for dinner together. I would read the book, me and my book. Uh, weekends, like instead of going up partying, I would just completely focus on investing in real estate, just strategies, reading, educating. Um, and then when he got back, we worked on doing our first deal together. And I mean, long story short, it, it, it didn't, that didn't work out between us, but then I got involved, uh, investing in real estate on my own. So I went out and my first rental property that I purchased on closing, there were some title issues. So it actually, it actually was a bust and the deal went through, didn't go through. Um, and then after that, I spent, I probably spent a good month searching again. And I got involved with uh, a real estate agent who was very like real estate investor focused. And my first purchase, my first like investment purchase that went through was uh, eight rental properties in the downtown core of Hamilton. And it, it was, it was really eye-opening for me because I was, I was, young and and very driven but i wasn't i mean i i had the book experience i just didn't have the life experience especially in the streets of downtown hamilton at that time because they were uh they weren't friendly places by any means um so my down my first deal i did eight and then the second second deal i did i uh i took out a second mortgage on my house that i lived in and i worked out a deal with an investor um his name was Ray. Gosh, I can't remember his last name, but he was, I uh, used to be, I think partners with the gentleman who owns effort trust. I don't, I don't know who owns it nowadays, but, but back then that was him. And, uh, and I bought 15 of his rental properties at once. Wow. So, so it just within a very short period of time and I was ramping up, I was getting excited, um, having a lot of fun doing what I was doing. And then my next set, I did, I think I did nine properties in one purchase. Uh, I just I just got very creative, and one thing I, I I mean everybody talks about in real estate investing is learning to buy with other people's money, mm -hmm. and so I just I just ran with those strategies, and I 
I think the blessing for me at a young age, um, it's like, it's not knowing what you don't know. You know what I mean? Because if you think of all the limitations we've come up against in our real estate investor journeys now, if you knew what you did and like way back when, you wouldn't like you nine times out of ten, you probably wouldn't start that journey. So <laughs> yeah, it worked out well. That's true. So okay, so you you went and you bought chunks of properties I did, all at yeah. once, and I'm sure people are listening to this right now, being like, "How do you go and buy eight on your first one? How do you buy nine? You know, on the next one, you know, they're thinking one house at a time, but you're doing it in like probably a portfolio purchase." But give us some insights on that. Yeah. So, um, gosh, years ago, let me kind of refresh myself here. Uh, the, the first, the first couple that I met, they had one rental for sale that I went to see and it was listed online. And I think they had three of them actually listed at the time. And, um, I learned through Tony Robbins that, you know, connection and relationships, it makes a big difference in how you do business with people. So I actually, I asked the realtor to sit me down with the two homeowners and, um, we ended up having just some friendly conversation and they shared that. They had a portfolio about eight they were looking to offload. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I arranged some uh, conventional financing with them, and then they held a, a VTB for the remainder of it. And uh, I don't, I don't know how I lucked out on that. I think I might have maybe used twenty thousand in credit cards for a, a portion of the down payment, but but it ended up working out that way. The rest was what VTB for. The rest of the down payment and then conventional yeah, financing, the and then yeah. the the older gentleman that I purchased the fifteen through, uh, we used we used the second mortgage. Like he put a second mortgage against my property and and blanked it across um, the fifteen that he had sold to me. Okay, so how much of your own cash essentially did you have to use for that fifteen that property purchase? Nothing. So Nothing. you're starting out and you, you're obviously, you know, you've got the mindset piece. You got the Tony Robbins. You, you've read, you know, yeah. dad, poor dad. Tony Robbins where, all the way. That, where are you getting the, like the strategy from? Because that's a pretty advanced, you know, opportunity or strategy for somebody. Um, and even the VTB piece and having that conversation with, directly with the, you know, with the sellers. Did you have a team? Did you have a coach? Did you have you know, just tons and tons of experience by your Googling, you know, real estate on the weekends. Uh, so, so I'll, I'll say this. I, I did, I really obsessed with, with respect to my education. I really obsessed with it, but there is a very big difference between street experience and book experience. So what worked out well for me back then, and this is, this is early 2000s, I think like 0405 or, or something, um, the banks were very, very lenient with respect to how they handed out mortgages. So, I mean, it's so different nowadays, but, but I'll talk about that strategy later as how I kind of adapted to that. Um, very, very, very tight nowadays to get mortgages, but way back when, I mean, it, I mean, you could get two or three at a time, no problem. And then the broker could go to another bank and, and get me two or three more mortgages and keep going and doing that. Um, nowadays you can't do that. Like, like that strategy doesn't really work. So a lot of like, a lot of how that all worked out for me, I mean, aside from experience, a lot of it was luck and timing and, and the, the agent I bumped into the people who were selling was a big part of it. And also the broker that I was using. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. 
This week's podcast is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey US real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website, usproperties.ca for more information. And now back to the show. But you know what? Luck, I believe luck is created and you create your luck by the actions that you take uh, and the things that you do. So yes, you know, everybody, and everybody has that opportunity to have luck, but I, I just, you know, I think you also associated yourself probably with some of the right people. You, you know, had the right conversations um, and you brought some, some, I think, negotiation skill sets to the table and, and likely a few other things too. So, and, and I think it's just important to say like that, that was great then. It doesn't mean that there's not opportunities today of pivoting and doing something oh, different, right? So yeah, there's tons of opportunities. And if someone's listening to this, be like, oh, well, you know, it was easy for him because banks were, yeah, they were more lenient. And are they going to be, you know, better or worse in 10 years? Who knows? I mean, this is a long, this is a long game, right? And and there's still things, I mean, even today you're buying a resort, you're buying a bunch of other stuff, you know? So there's opportunities in every single market and every single lending um, strategy. And it's just about taking action and creating your own luck. So. Um, do you mind sharing? Like, I mean, obviously you've scaled quite massively, I think, since then. Um, you know, what what is your strategy today? Where did you pivot to? Well, here, here, I'll I'll start with this. So just with respect to what you're saying about, you know, luck has created, I, I very much do agree with that. I, I'm I'm a very solution focused person. And um my my one thinking, like one mental kind of um what am I what am I trying to say here? My kind of a mindset strategy for myself is that. Um, the saying I have, it's, it's only one more no till I get my yes. So, so even, even when something isn't seemingly working out in a deal, I, I do focus on, um, how to find a solution for that until they get, I get the solution I'm looking for. Uh, but no, it, it wasn't like people can say, yes, you know, it, it worked out well because of, you know, the banks back then, but I fell flat on my face at, I, I think about 26, I had owned about 34 properties at the time. And I went bankrupt for about $2 million. And it wasn't, it wasn't because my investment strategies didn't work. It wasn't because I was uneducated. It, it wasn't like, it wasn't anything to do with external factors. It was everything to do with me. I was, I was taking in my, my rental income. I, I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't like, I didn't have spreadsheets to calculate anything. And I was having more fun with my money rather than paying for my responsibilities. So. About, yeah, about the age of 20, I think, yeah, 25, 26, all within like a six month period. Um, I was the primary care caregiver for my dad for about four years as he was, uh, as he was kind of um, becoming ill and, and then eventually passed on. So all, all within six months, I went bankrupt for 2 million. I actually bankrupt my mother. She was a part of that deal. Um, my father passed away. And then my girlfriend and I of, of three years had broken up. So it, it was, it was kind of a lot that all happened at once. So I went from owning millions of dollars in real estate to literally nothing. I managed, I managed to save my mother's equity in her property. There were some shady lawyers that were involved on, on trying to take some of her money when it, it wasn't, it didn't really involve her. So I, anyways, I managed to get her out of that, but, um, but I did rebuild after that. So. Um, sorry, back, refresh me on your question again. I was kind of going Wait. off there, but I'm sorry. No, but you know what? Let's, let's talk about this. Cause uh, well, I was, I was talking about how you strategize and you pivoted, but uh, okay. let's, let's talk about the bankruptcy first. Um, because yeah. I think 
you know, I think this is like a good wake up for many people, especially as we're coming into some some weird times right now. Um, so you're thinking, so you're saying the bankruptcy for you is based on like spending too much and not paying attention yeah. to, to what was happening essentially. Um, and so when, like, when did you actually realize that like you were in the hole? Like, did somebody tell you? Did mortgages come due? Like, what was the actual like pivot point on that? No, I, I, I knew for a, a while that uh, I wasn't doing, doing the right thing. And I was, I was fortunate enough to be involved with vendors who are holding um, take back mortgages, like first and seconds for me. So it, it, I mean, it definitely wasn't as bad as it could have been. Right. Cause it's, it's probably not just one day it comes to it, but like, there might be like one main thing. I don't know. Maybe it's a mortgage call, like being called or like just something that's, that happened that you're like, I have to declare bankruptcy at that point. Yes. Point. Okay. So, so I was, I wasn't, I wasn't keeping tabs on my money, which was one thing. Um, I had, I had about a hundred and I think just over a hundred rental units at that time across all my properties. And there were, uh, several less than level tenants in those properties. So Hamilton, I mean, as much as Hamilton is a big city, it's a very small city. So when, when a lot of, a lot of tenants found out what was going on, um, a lot of them just stopped paying. So, so things, things kind of added up and, and because I was, I was very physically and mentally exhausted for taking care of my father and whatnot. Um, I just, I, I probably just took the easy way out. Which, which I mean, bankruptcy doesn't seem like it's easy, but, um, but it, but it's, it is pretty easy in a lot of ways. So that was, that was kind of that turning point, but I ended up taking, ended up taking probably about eight months, maybe to a year off of investing from real estate. Mm -hmm. So I, I went, I went from nothing. And then I bumped into a buddy of mine who used to do a lot of the contracting work on my rental properties. And, uh, yeah, but it, it was weird. I'm, I'm not religious by any means, but. Uh, he was with his minister that day and, and I was, I was talking to him about, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've given up on real estate investing. I'm just going to kind of focus on a new career. I'm not sure what it is yet, blah, blah, blah. And the minister put his hand on my shoulder and I got the weirdest chills. And he's like, he's like, your real estate career is far from over. He's like, you need to get back involved right away. And, and it was, it was just strange because of the chills he gave me when he said it. And, um, so yeah, I guess maybe about a month later, I ended up picking up another property. So, so I go, I go from this like bankruptcy to just like my father passing away. And I was, I was, I was very unwell for a while. And, and then I'm at this fork in the road and it's either I choose failure or I choose what's the other one, fill in the blank. Or success. No, prostitution. <laughs> and this is, this is, no, this is where the story gets, gets interesting. I'll, I'll fill in the gaps there because I wasn't okay. prostitute, but, but I, the market was very, very saturated with respect to, um, contractors and investors when I got back into the market after kind of like bouncing back. And this was, I think maybe like 09 or 10 or 09 or, or 2010. Um, and and I, I still knew a lot of people in the streets of downtown Hamilton. Like when you're, when you're, a I'll call it like I was a landlord, but a slumlord for a lot of my properties for a long time. Um, you just understand the thinking and, and where to find good deals. So I would go speak with uh, prostitutes in the streets, or I would speak with just uh, just a homeless person. 
And I would offer them like lunch or coffee, maybe like 10 or 20 bucks just to sit down and have a conversation. And, um, I, you know, I, I would ask them where they're living, how many dilapidated homes they knew of, if they could get me a list of contact numbers and that I would pay them for every deal that I did. So a number of them, I actually ended up paying several people a thousand dollars cash per deal that they got me. And I mean, that's like, that's a very unique strategy. And kudos to you for that's like way outside the box thinking. Very, very. And and I mean, I don't recommend it for anybody. Like it, it can be very dangerous. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're definitely not going to go meet those people and go into any homes that you, I mean, you don't know the people you're going into and don't understand. I mean, the kind of the street language and whatnot. But I, it was funny enough because I got my mother involved and I would set her up in, in a certain area of a couple blocks and I would do another and she would just let me know, okay, I'm, I'm going towards these houses now and I would keep tabs on her. But we did nine wholesale deals in one summer. And um, I, I mean, we made hundreds and hundreds of thousands just doing that. And then the the lady, Bar, uh, Barbara and the Bixie was the one who put me in contact with you. Uh, she did her first wholesale deal for me. And it, I mean, it was funny because I, I owned um, uh, the Dream Center, which is like a, a children's sports activity plex. And she brought her, her children there and she saw me one day. And she's like, hey, you know, I've seen your stuff on Instagram and kind of like the, the real estate stuff you do. She's like, how do you do that? Like, I just have a couple of questions. I own a couple of properties. And I really, I just gave her like a, a very simple um, kind of just like, spreadsheet to go by or just a couple of rules to go by in terms of finding uh, wholesale properties. And she she found one within, I think it was like 24 hours of a work week. Well, like it, it'll be the equivalent of a 24 hour work week. She found a first deal and I invented, uh, invented sorry, I invited that gentleman who she had met in the street, downtown Hamilton. Uh, he was he was renovating one of his rental properties and he was, he was eventually going to sell it. Uh, but I invited him up to the dream center and the three of us sat down. And it turns out he owned the property across the street. And it, in my Instagram, the stories the stories way down there, but it's there. It's, it's her and I standing beside each other, just smiling in a selfie. Uh, but I think she made, we ended up buying both of his properties in the one deal. I, I think she made about 85000 in her first wholesale. Amazing. That's cool. Yeah, she did really well. So so how like how was it to start buying with a bankruptcy on your file? Like, did you have to get creative there as well from a financing standpoint? Yeah, it's a really great question. So, so this is, this is where my strategy changes, you know, for, for the people who are like, okay, you know, the banks aren't so easy to get along with anymore. What do I do? Well, I, I had that challenge on top of, um, uh, I didn't have, what's it called? I, I had the bankruptcy and then I, I didn't have, um, what's it called? I mean, I didn't have money to use again still. And, and, and the banks are in support about this time. So, so this, this is how I do like every one of my deals today. And I think, I mean, very experienced investors, you can certainly get creative, but for, especially for newer investors, it's all how I enter my, my entry strategy. It's all how I enter a deal. So, um, back when I was doing deals before I went bankrupt, if, if I made like 20, 30, 40,000 in like a flip or something, that would be good to me. Uh, but now, I mean, I've set my standard way higher. And what I like to do is I like to find deals that have a ton of value already built into them on closing. So, so like, um, I'll give you a specific example. We, we owned an industrial building where our, our operating business was the, the dream center at the time. 
And um, it just worked out where the, we, were, we were having some, some legal issues regarding uh, our zoning and kind of the gray area around that. But the neighboring building had called me up and asked if I wanted to be a tenant and just kind of like dump off those issues in our current building. And I said, well, no, I, I'm very much interested in keeping my current building. And I said, I would, I'd like to move into your property, but I'd like to purchase it. And when we were having a conversation about pricing, he, he offered me a price for a building that was literally double the size of the one I currently own, but it was only a few hundred thousand more than what I paid for the other one. So, so I knew, I knew he didn't understand the value of this building. So I, I did some assessments. I, I brought in, um, I brought in a, a realtor that I trusted in the industrial market. Uh, I kept this inf information myself, but he was confident that I could get 4 million for that building all day. And, and he was right too. So I went to a couple of investors that I knew and I said, look, I have this opportunity. I can double, triple, quadruple the size of my business if I move into this place and the zoning works and it gives me all sorts of other opportunities to grow the business. Uh, and, and they went for it. Um, I mean, that might be a bit of a large, like a big example to go by, but even like, even street walking downtown Hamilton and just kind of revamping my strategy, I would find homeowners who just really, really either didn't understand the value of their property or they were really happy to get a specific price. And, and if, if I knew the value was here. So my mother, she goes, she goes knocking on this guy's door one day. And, and I don't know what she was even thinking in, by approaching this guy's house. Cause, um, it was, it was filthy and very unsafe. So, so she asked this gentleman who was, who was just at his front door, if he'd uh, be interested in selling his property. And he said, no, but he said he knew of a lady up the street who would sell her property, but she would only sell it for 85,000, not a penny less. And it was garbage. We wouldn't want it anyways. So my mom told me about this property. I literally had a purchase sale agreement down to this woman's house within like 45 minutes, an hour. And I, I knew I could get double or triple that price in that day. So if I was to go get financing. I just go to one of my private lenders and they would give it to me. Okay. So in, in this story, this story's in my, uh, in my Instagram as well, but, um, we ended up agreeing to, I think it was maybe 87,000. I let her live there for like six months for free. And, uh, and then I ended up selling it for, I think 188,000 just, just several months later. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Experience Inspire Beach Resort. It is the resort that we have been building and it is ready. So if you are looking to host events, team building opportunities, retreats of your own, and just even potentially hang out with your friends or family or colleagues, you can rent out a cabin, you can rent out the entire resort. Inspire Beach Resort, it is an adults only, it is Canada's only themed resort specifically for adults and the themes are really nice they're really upscale like you have like the beach theme you've got a rustic lodge theme and a vintage hollywood and we are adding more every year but there is uh, an awesome space that is on the water to host your retreats your events your business meetings planning meetings all of that good stuff so check that out inspirebeachresorts.com now back to the show so you bought it from her she lived for free and then you sold it and then she willingly moved out Yes, she did. Okay. Yeah. Got lucky because because I don't know if that works as well anymore these days. <laughs> yeah, it might it might be a little bit different. But anyways, my 
my strategy now is making sure that I buy into something with a ton of value. There's, there's so many investors who are new to this. And I mean, like there's a big wave of new investors out there, very excited to get into the real estate investing market. And they just want to get into their first deal. And they're, they're usually leveraged to the hilts or they don't know what they're doing. They buy something where the value's not there. Um, for any, for any real estate investor, take your time, find something that, you know, you're going to make hundreds of thousands or millions the day the deal closes, not, not unlike a build out or renovate or grow or anything like that. Just make sure the value is built in now. And then after you, you can, you'll never get denied financing ever. Right. I mean, like you said, it could, it could, they're probably, the properties per, may or may not even qualify for, for a typical bank lender anyway. So you d you definitely want to have your private lenders lined up or private yeah. options lined up. But are you finding that the majority of your, the deals that you purchased were off MLS? Like they were from your own, you know, digging around, talking to people off market. Yeah. Very, uh, I would say, so I've, I've, Owned, owned over a hundred properties to date, uh, and everything, I mean, like 90, 90 plus percent is off market. Everyone, everyone either owns a property or rents a property. And if they don't own a rent, they live with somebody who owns or rents. So you can talk to literally everyone. Everyone is involved in real estate. So there's opportunity everywhere you go. I bought, I bought, uh, negotiated deals in the streets. I've negotiated deals. I social functions. I've negotiated deals at bars. I mean, everywhere, grocery stores, you name it. So what are some things? Cause I mean, somebody that's just starting out, right? Like how do they know what the value of something is? If the deal is actually good, like what are some, maybe some tips that you can provide? Yeah. I mean, in terms of understanding values, like I do, I, if I'm researching a specific market, I do spend a lot of time on MLS just to see kind of what's out there and, and what has sold. I mean, I'll call up a realtor friend of mine and ask them to pull comparables or what sold in the last 60, 90 days in a specific price range, maybe even the past year or two. Um, you, you, you really need to understand your market though. You need to understand if there's opportunities for growth in that market. Uh, when I, like when I got involved in Hamilton years ago, I think it was, it was projected to be the number one growing city in Canada around that time. Right. So that was a market I wanted to be involved in. Um, just as kind of all the COVID nonsense went on, a lot of people were moving north. So I, I capitalized on some, some just smaller properties up there, but I, I definitely got in low and, and the prices have gone quite a bit higher. Um, they've adjusted a bit, but that's okay. Uh, but yeah, definitely understanding your market, MLS, uh, get involved with realtors, get involved with, with groups of people like, like yourself. I mean, you're for somebody to get in touch with you, like your network's massive and, um, if someone's if someone's looking to acquire a property or or do their first deal and and really do well on it, they might not have I mean, the skill set or the knowledge to get in, involved in something as big as they'd like to, uh, but they can definitely get involved with somebody like yourself or myself who has the experience and has the financing to get it done. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's a great point. Now, do you think do you think the opportunity is still in? Wait, like it sounds like you're not necessarily doing conversions or maybe you are, I don't know, but like, what is like, what is the strategy today that like, I, I, you, you bought the resort, let's talk about that. But I mean, other than the resort, like what, what is the strategy that's working for you today? Other than obviously buying a good deal at the start, are you flipping them? Are you renovating them? Are you burring them? Are you converting? Yeah, I, um, I don't typically like to sell my real estate too, too often because I leverage against it so much to get other deals done. Uh, 
and yeah, my, my strategy, I don't really have, I, I don't, I don't do flips. I don't really do burrs. I mean, I did years and years ago, but my hands are, are very, very soft now. Um, and, uh, I don't like to get them dirty. So if I, if I'm ever wearing dirty clothes, I'm just pretending to work hard, but, but yeah, the, the strategy I, I really kind of focused on is, is finding a deal that has a ton of value built into it. So like my portfolio right now, I've, I've got the resort, which we'll talk about. I've got, um, I've got some industrial properties, warehouse. I've got uh, a building right now. It's 10 units, which, be, which is being converted to 178 uh, condo units. Um, I've got some single family, multifamily. Okay. But, but all these, all these deals, again, it wasn't the, my main strategy was how am I getting into the deal? Yeah. So it sounds like it's probably deal dependent, right? Like you're looking at every single opportunity as it, its own deal. Um, you know, you're looking at like commercial, commercial, you're looking at industrial, you're looking at everything and, and seeing what makes sense. Are you, are you in Ontario only? Do you have you expanded out of the, you know, out of the province? Yeah, I haven't expanded out yet. I, I'm sure I will at some point soon, but I have a few. I have a few pretty big deals on the go, and they're they're close by, and, and I'm I'm very confident that they're going to do very well. So, um, yeah, I, I guess when the opportunity arises, I mean, I'm not I'm not closed off to that. I should probably update my passport. That would help. But <laughs> how about you? Um, I mean, I'm 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 actually highly looking at a few of a few areas right now um i still like i still like ontario but you know what i don't think it's the after what happened in you know the last couple years without getting political um you know i think if if trudeau gets back in i have to have an exit plan after this next election so yes good point yeah so um but you know and there's a lot more control in some areas. However, I do like the opportunity that Ontario has in terms of low vacancies and yeah. the rent the rent increases uh, year over year as long as you don't have a tenant uh, that that stays too long. And I like the appreciation over time. And there was still some good cash flow. Like granted, rates you know are, are higher, but I think they'll come down a little bit. Um, you know. But on that note, before we we get into the lightning round, tell us about like your latest resort project. So my, actually, funny enough, which you here, um, my lawyer called me on this deal. It was, uh, a, a client friend of his who, who's owned, I guess, I think he's owned the resort campground for about seven years, uh, and a really good guy with good intentions, but, um, just really not good at, at, at managing people. Uh, in the business or his clients, just just not an effective communicator that way. So so my my lawyer called me because of our ownership in the Dream Center. I mean, we had taken we had taken a, a dance studio with about sixty kids, and we grew our business to four thousand, almost five thousand kids annually. So he he knew that I had a lot of experience in family focused businesses. Um, so he put me on the phone with this gentleman, and uh, it, it was it took about three or four weeks negotiating. Um, but I, I understood his, I had to understand his business. I had to understand his language and, and definitely speak it back to them so we could be on the same page about where we were going with things. But work, what worked out really, really well in this opportunity is that um, he, he did not have the money or I would say the will to go on in his business anymore. And so he had two options. He, he either had to work, uh, he had to work with a very, a very aggressive uh, purchaser uh, or he was at, at great risk of losing his property. So I ended up 
purchasing, um, it, the park is about, I think about 185 units. Um, I, I checked out, you could bring in far more electrical, so I can upgrade that significantly. I can, I can put it to well over 200 units. Uh, so when we were negotiating, um, we set, we set a BTV structure on the deal because he, he just, he had to, to get out of it and he didn't want to run it anymore. So we, we negotiated a deal of was two, sorry, 3.8. Um, and he's holding a vendor take back mortgage for 2.3 million for seven years at 0% interest. So I had, I had to call up my investors that I know who, who lend on most of my deals and, uh, they gave me a, a first, plus they gave me uh, money to, to just start the renovations on the property. And so, so more of like a construction loan and we can build on it as we go. Uh, and then I didn't have to put any money down and my investment money went ahead of his and then his mortgage behind mine. So I have a seven-year mortgage term with that property for seven years, 0% interest. In second position for him. In second position. Yeah. That's amazing. That's probably like the deal of the decade. <laughs> It is. I, I actually, you know what? A, a lot of it really comes down to your belief systems. And, and I really believe to my core, like you could hook me up to a polygraph and ask me whether or not I feel like amazing deals fall on my lap. And I would say yes, and would come out as true. Like my my 10 unit building in Dun downtown Dundas that's being converted to uh, a condo, a condo complex. I got the, the sellers of that building to agree to a four-year mortgage um, the first year was 0% interest. No, first two years, 0% interest. And then years three and four, I think it was 3% in year three and then four and a half in year four. Hmm. So that was another amazing deal. And I put, I put that one up for sale. I bought it for two, six or two, seven. I put it up for sale 30 days after I purchased it. And for 5 million and I had three offers. One for 4.25, one for one for 4.6, and another one for, I think, 4.8. But I, I didn't sell it. That's awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, now you're building something bigger and better. And so your, your four or $5 million offer could be many, many more millions. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So what's, what's your, you know, what's your plan for the resort? Like, so when you're saying like units, are these uh, like trailers? Yeah. So we have, we have trailers and cabins on the property. Currently we have 74 acres. The park is currently operating on about 20 and then the rest of it's kind of like trails and, and ATV paths and rivers and streams and whatnot. Uh, but the plan will be to, uh, I don't know if I want to give this away because I know you're a direct competitor. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like ours is a, like, you're in a different area, I think too, but anyways, go ahead. Yes, it's, no, it's, it's all good. Uh, I will be doing a bunch of, uh, tiny type retreats. Ah, cool. So properties that you can live in all year round, but they're going to be a very custom experience. Uh, so we're, we'll maximize the use of the land with, with trailers and then, um, what are they called? Like, uh, like park models where you can stay all year round, but we'll, we'll also do like more mini cabins and we have, we have these very cool experiences we're working on. I won't give all that away right now, but, uh, but people will have the opportunity to either live or stay there short term. Um, and it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be stunning. That's The awesome. landscape is beautiful there. So there's a lot to work with. Very cool. Now, are you bringing investors into that or it's strictly just, you know, you're doing it with, uh, the private money and then the, the VTB? No. So, so I, I think I told you before, I, I typically do not do partnerships. Um, 
but but I mean, there's there's it's kind of a double edged sword, right? I mean, you you get you get more in a deal when you work on your own, but you can typically you know you can miss out on larger deals if you don't have people involved with different skill sets. So I I I actually just I, I developed a relationship with another like minded investor and. Um, he has a ton of landscaping experience. I mean, has the landscaping company, a very successful one with his wife. And so he's in on the deal with me. And, uh, and then I have, it, it just worked out well because we, we sold our Dream Center business back in November. Uh, my two kind of main girls, the general manager and the, the lady who was like director of first impressions, they, uh, they agreed to leave their current jobs and come work with me. So I've got, I've got my partner, Mark, who was a huge asset to the team. I've got my two main girls who are just, they're, they're wonderful people. Like they really made that Dream Center business successful. When I wasn't there, they were just like my eyes and ears on everything. Uh, and then um, my cousin is there with his family. They're living on site and they're going to be doing kind of like the grounds work and, and upkeep and whatnot. So we have an incredible team of people. It just, it just worked out really well. Awesome. Where, where is the resort? We are in, uh, in Marmara. So it's kind of east of Peterborough, north of Belleville. Okay. All right. I'm going to be waiting for my invitations. <laughs> yes. Not, not too, too close to Inspire, but I do actually have a very big deal that I'm working on in that area right now. Yeah. Because you sent me a message on Instagram of our, our resort uh, billboard and you're like, I'm driving by. I'm like, oh, just let me know. I'll like, you know, get, let you know where the, the keys are. You can grab them and take a look when you've already gone. So, so that's, but that's not closed yet. Or like, can you talk about that or like just, no, not yet. Not yet. it's, uh, it's massive though. It's amazing. I'm uh, very excited to talk about it. I just can't yet, but I can come to you first. I can give you that. <laughs> so, I mean, look, here, here's, here's what I love about it, right? You started off, you started big, you lost it all. And now you, you grew it. You, it was a mindset piece. It was a strategy. It was taking action. And you're like, way further than maybe you would have ever been if you hadn't gone through those struggles and and realized you know what you did wrong to establish the processes and the systems and, and what you needed so like it's a very inspiring story i'm mean, gonna have you on like more stages and stuff and share that because uh you know thank you for for being very very open and you know and candid and it's not always easy to talk about you know going through bankruptcy and, and losing it all and starting from scratch but uh you know it was it was i mean it was embarrassing for a bit it, it doesn't matter to me anymore. I, I don't think it's embarrassing at all, but it, it, is, it is a big challenge for someone to go through. But I think it, it was. It was a, an amazing lesson and then building my confidence back after that, knowing that I could go through something like that and then rebuild. And you know what's really kept me on track was when I bankrupt my mother, that was like, my mother was like everything to me. And I mean, still is, but bankrupting her was kind of like the biggest hit for me. So my motivation moving forward was, I, I wanted my problems to be so big that mom couldn't fix them anymore. You know what I mean? So I, it was just like, I mean, I could go to mom back then and be like, Hey, you know, I, just, I need to, you know, catch up on a couple of payments and she could help out now. Now she can't do that. So I'm very motivated to stay where I am. And it also, it also burns to think about all those properties that I purchased in downtown, downtown Hamilton for years under a hundred thousand, like most of them were around like 30 to 50,000. And she and, helped. And she, she helped you, right? She walked the streets with you. <laughs> she did. She did. But you, you think of like all what those properties are worth nowadays. But oh, yeah. anyways, oh, yeah. is what it is. And you know what? In ten years, twenty years from now, I mean, again, who knows what's going to happen? But I think we'll probably be in a similar situation where we'd be like, oh, we used to buy these at five hundred or six hundred. Now they're a million. You know. Uh, That'll definitely be the case. 
So awesome. All right. So the next part is our lightning round. I'm going to ask you five questions. You can give me the first answer that comes to mind. Are you ready to play? Uh, All right. And now just a quick pause to hear from the midterm rental tip of the week. Aisha, over to you. Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. Today, we talk about advertising and marketing when it comes to the different strategies. When looking at short-term rentals, You often advertise on platforms such as Airbnb, VRBO, Booking.com, and short-term management companies. When looking at the midterm strategy, it is similar to short-term rentals. However, a lot can also come from networks of realtors, contractors, insurance adjusters, and other work colleagues. But most importantly, tapping into human resources and executives at various companies, hospitals, schools and head offices for their executives, clients, and other professionals. For the long-term renter, you usually look on Facebook, Kijiji. You could also have it posted on MLS with other real estate agents and through property managers. For more information on midterm rental properties, please visit www.midtermrentalproperty.com. Awesome, guys. Reach out to midtermrentalproperties.com for additional information. Back to the show. Oh, here's question number one. Was your favorite real estate investing book? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Real Estate, Rich is by Robert Kiyosaki, for sure. All right. That was your game changer from the beginning. This simple, basic read. Yeah, it's it's very useful. I recommend it. Awesome. Now, I don't know if you're a podcast listener other than real estate, or you can use, say, real estate if you want, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, do you have a favorite podcast? Oh, you know what? To be honest, I, I don't. With the workload that I have, I don't spend too, too much time online with podcasts but I, I still i still listen to the rich dad channel quite a bit and uh there's another one real estate focused with ken McElroy. he's got a lot of value there um i catch your real estate your real estate podcast want to have some time there too and there's a lot of value I, i've met some of your speakers and they're really wonderful people and, and really know what they're talking about but that's all real estate focused I, I i stay very focused in real estate okay awesome um, and Ken, Ken McElroy, I think he wrote a book too on like advanced multifamily and that's kind of like his niche, right? Yes. Yeah. And he's, he, I think he's, I think he still is partners with Robert Kiyosaki on some things. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Number three, what do you do for fun? So you said you work a lot and you do a lot of real estate, but uh, there's gotta be some fun in life, right? You know what? I, I was wondering if you were going to ask me this question and I thought about it a lot and oh, gosh. I enjoy time with family. I, I was trying to think, like, hey, what's fun that I do? I, I just, I, my work is fun to me. But aside from that, if, if I'm going to try to, like, just try and think something on the spot, like, I've got a cottage up north. I, I like going ice fishing with friends. There's boating in the summertime, canoeing in the wintertime. Um, I, I definitely love spending time outdoors. So the kind of resort model that I'm working in now is 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 good for me. Awesome. Very cool. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, which you actually did, um, yep. actually a very suitable question in a sense, but my, the regular question is if you lost everything, all your assets, all your money tomorrow, how would you start again? I would go back to prostitution. Oh. I go back to my prostitution strategy. I honestly, I'd be, I'd be in the streets. I, 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 would, I would be willing to take on a challenge. If someone bet me that I couldn't find a deal in a week in downtown Hamilton, I bet you I could. Okay. I would just go right down to Hamilton and I would find a deal. There's 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 so many opportunities in any city and I would just be a case of having conversations with as many people as possible. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say now is a lot easier than it probably was in 2021 and the beginning of 2022 as well, when everybody was and their brother and cousins were trying to buy real estate. So yeah, it was it was challenging that way. And, and I mean, a lot of the sellers nowadays too, um, I, I they're still trying not to let go of some of those those past loan prices, but the market is definitely shifting. Yeah. So, so I mean, if somebody's going out and, and finding deals off market, on market, but either way, um, they need to really be certain about where the value of that property is and where the market's going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And last question, somebody has $50,000, they want to get started in real estate in some way or another. How would you recommend they spend that 50 grand? Well, I would suggest that you put... Um, or is this person educated in real estate investing at this point, or they just got fifty you grand? Say they're to start? a podcast listener and uh, they've got fifty grand in their pocket. Okay, or I would, a checking account or something. Yeah, I, I would I would spend a good ten ten grand on investing in your education, finding a strong mentor, um, and then I would sock the other forty grand away because if you if you and when I say sock it away, I just mean don't use it keep it aside for kind of a rainy day because when you go out and you really find deals and value in them you don't need your own life all right cool I so, love it. so i've i've invested for over 20 years and every one of my deals has been financed through uh my real estate transactions it's it has nothing to do with my own money i've never had a job to pay for my deals okay other than when i was 18 that was just my first house awesome 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 all right cool well thank you for playing the lightning round yeah can my listeners, Derek, find out more about you? I know you mentioned Instagram, but what is the best uh, place to reach out? Yeah, uh, Instagram. So um, it's just my name. It's Derek underscore Cunartin. So D-E-R-E-K underscore C-O-N-O-R-T-O-N. All right, awesome. Any final last words of advice? Gosh, no. Uh, yeah, stay, stay educated, have lots of conversations, and uh, mindset is key. All right. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. There's like tons of ways we could have taken the, you know, different conversations. And because you have so much experience, we'll have to have you come back, share your experience with like even just like the industrial stuff that sounds awesome and, and get some uh, some update on the new deal as uh, as things come into fruition. Yeah, of course. And thank you very much for having me. And I'll look forward to seeing you, I think, next week at Hagerty's. Awesome. Yes. If you guys are interested and you're in the area, we are doing events now at Hagerty's uh, every month. We might take a little break in the summer, but uh, reach out to us for that. So thanks so much, Derek. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks, Sarah. See you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.